I'm Zoraida Cordova, and you're listening to the Clashing Sabers Network. Here we go again. I bypassed the compressor. You were the chosen one! Something truly special. Congratulations. You are being rescued. Revenge is not the Jedi way. I am no Jedi. The ability to speak might not make you intelligent, but we're going to try to prove otherwise. This is the Clashing Sabers podcast. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I am your host, Brandon Boylan, and I am here with my co-host, who is not Drew Brett, but she did fly all the way in from the unknown regions. Uh, She had dinner with Ezra last night, so she'll maybe tell us where he's at. Ladies and gentlemen from the Unknown Regions podcast, Michelle. Hello there. How are you? General Kenobi. Uh, exactly. You know, I keep inviting Thrawn to dinner, and that Please jerk, don't. that Please jerk don't. just stands me up every time. Ezra, he's nice. He comes. He comes yeah. nice. He brings let's, a nice bottle of wine. Very nice guest. Let's uh, let's leave Thrawn out there in the unknown regions. Maybe <sighs> further out. Like yeah, I have come. I have I have mixed feelings about him, but in a black that's hole. neither here nor there. <laughs> you know what is here and there is uh, the Clashing Sabers nonprofit literacy initiative where we are trying to put more Star Wars books in the classroom. So, yes, ladies and mm. gentlemen, once again, I have a ton of books sitting in my closet, and I am not picking the teachers that they go to because that's not how we do things here. We want you to pick the teachers that these books go to. So if you have especially an elementary or lower middle school teacher uh, that you want to have books sent to, it's 100% for their classroom. They get to take it wherever they want. They don't have to be a Star Wars fan to receive a box. All they have to do is uh, be a teacher, and we want to support that. So make sure you go <coughs> and nominate a teacher there on, uh, on our website, clashingsabers.net. And uh, stay tuned because uh, we've got some announcements coming for uh, some other big things that we're going to be doing. If those of you who have been around for a few years know a little something happens around holiday time that we're going to get back into. But, uh, yeah, so just make sure you're, you're there. We want to support these kids and these teachers as they're going back to school. I know from my campus some of these kids have not been in an actual classroom in going on two years, which means a lot of them have probably not picked up a book in almost two years. So let's get some books in these kids' hands and uh, make this a really great school year uh, for these kids who are returning. So that Yes, is- I need to do that. I need to get that out there to my teacher friends and see if anybody would like to be nominated for that. I know you helped out one of my friends a couple of years ago, which was lovely. Um, she has since moved and moved schools. So I should ask her again, like, what you doing? You want some stuff? I don't know what grade she's teaching anymore. She might have changed, but I will ask her. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. We'll yeah. get the books. We will get the books one way or another. And um, we're looking forward to, to seeing. It, it's just so cool because we've had the opportunity to get books into so many different types of classrooms. Like we just did a music classroom. We've done special ed. We've done rural. We've done urban. So it's just really cool to be able to support so many different kinds of classrooms. So it is. It is amazing work that you're doing. Well, thank, thank you. you. It is a lot of fun. So. Uh, that is all the housekeeping I think we have going on right now. We will have our uh, Clashing Sabers trivia tournament here starting soon. Um, so stay tuned for more on that. But, Michelle, we have to get yes. into the big stuff. We have to get into the, the really important questions. Like, what are you Star Warsing lately? Why is it I always forget that you are going to ask this? I almost I should th- be thought ready. about texting you, but then I was like, no, nah, I just want to, like, let's just roll with it. No notes. <laughs> Why did you not? You know I forget 
ever I just don't it's uh, part of the fun I know but then I feel like oh my god what have I been doing I have no memory I can't remember oh my god and then I panic <laughs> like this okay let me think yes exactly like this well as you um as you know I've been bad batching like crazy I mean we're gonna talk all about that so other than that let me think let me think oh gosh Oh, I've been I've been reliving a little bit of Star Wars rollout. Do you remember remember Star Wars rollout? I do remember Star Wars rollout. I remember your three hour podcast on Star Wars rollout. (laughs) Recently, it came up in conversation between me and my son, Colin. And and I think I even said something like, I feel like we need to do like a an anniversary retrospective. (laughs) Of course you do. was like no we don't (laughs) i was like i do i actually need to check up on that creator that um hiteo toyanagi i need to see what he's up to i really do because where is he is he is he safe is he all right i don't know i haven't heard his name for two years now so i think i am gonna look into that a little bit and see what he's up to and also visions star wars visions is coming that's pretty pretty exciting very 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 excited about that which which one caught your eye would you say the most which um, story so i only watched the like little preview with the creators one time and i haven't watched the trailer so oh that's true you don't like to watch that stuff yeah in and well and especially with this because i'm not that i'm not an anime fan but i'm not an anime fan i just haven't like ever gotten into it I, I haven't taken the time to get into it other than last airbender um and like watching pokemon and growing up but I'm not like mm-hmm. serious into it or anything like that I no me the neither art style and stuff me like neither. that so i don't want to go in with any preconceived notions of what one of them is supposed to be you mm-hmm. know and i want to let the story tell itself to me especially since it's not canon and there's there's less weight on it, I guess, because of that. I'm not going to have to think about how it affects other stories or how it changes the context of whatever. And so I think the one, the one that I am most excited about is probably the twins one, just because, (gasps) come on. Me too. But then there's also, there's also the Ronin one that just looks really appealing to me. Me too. Those are my top two. You got it. You nailed it. I think it's going to be, I, have they? Has there been any official word on how long these are going to be? Because I remember them starting out saying they were going to be short films, but then I've also heard shorts and also episode. Like, hmm, I don't think so. I don't. I don't believe so. But maybe I missed it. Because it's when does it come on in like a couple of weeks? October, September. right? September, October. Oh, it's in September. Around. Yeah, we're getting pretty close, I guess. Yeah. Um, no, I don't think I've heard anything about how long they are, but hopefully longer than 20. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I guess you could tell a decent story in 20 minutes, half hour. Yeah, I mean. I would think. You at could. At least 20 minutes. Give I'm just hoping minutes. it's not like a, not that I didn't like Forces of Destiny. I love Forces of Destiny, but <clears throat> I don't want that kind of shorts. I want Agreed. Like actual episodes. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, I mean, I if you're going to do this, go all in. Don't do, like, like the original Clone Wars, the Tartakovsky Clone Wars was like a testing the waters kind of situation. Like, what happens if we put Star Wars animation out here? Totally fine, right? Uh, Forces of Destiny was, as I mean, it was 
it was great, but it was also, you know, to push the toys and that line and stuff mm-hmm. like that, totally fine, right? But if you're going to go, hey, we're going to take these risks and we're going to invest in these creators, then I want you to do it all the way or don't do it at all, you know? Um, yeah. Because yeah. that's when you end up with things like, Zach's going to kill me, but but like DC, where it's just a mess <laughs> because they're limiting what the creators can do and stuff like that. And when you do that to me, like, you're going to have some bombs sometimes. Yeah. You know, it's going to happen. Uh, we experienced that in the sequel trilogy where Force Awakens, JJ got to do what he wanted. It was really great. Last Jedi, Ryan got to do what he wanted. It was really great. Rise of Skywalker, he got to do what he really, JJ got to do what he wanted again, and it was less than stellar, you know? And so you you taking that risk, but you're also... To me, it's more. There's going to be more benefit than there is backlash. And if you're trying to just prevent against the backlash, you're limiting what your creators are going to be able to do. Exactly. And, and you end yeah. up with a mess. Yeah. And um, the other thing that just popped into my head. This is not really me Star Warsing, but, but um, I will tell you that Colin has in his hot little hands at this point a dueling lightsaber. I heard. He has never, I have never seen him more excited than when that box came to the house. He was so excited. So him and his um, friend Matt, who he has known, they're so cute, Brandon, they're so cute. They've known each other since I think four-year-old preschool, maybe kindergarten. But um, he, Matt's a musician, he's a guitarist and sings, and they're in a They've been in several bands together over the years, but they're, they've gotten kind of back together and got a new band going right now. And Matt already had his and was already kind of wanting to do that. And so he brought it up to Colin and Colin was like, hell yeah. So he ordered one too. And they're going to be dueling in my backyard after rehearsals, I suppose. But here's the funny part. Matt is legitimately six feet five. He's so tall. He's got his arms reach to the next state like he's so tall and lanky and i don't know what colin thinks he's gonna do it's all about the (laughs) angles man it's all about the angles i just i am just ready to get my popcorn to go outside on the lawn chair and just sit there and laugh and laugh and laugh as matt beats him to a bloody pulp Hey, hey, hold on now. So in defense of short people, like I used to spar with when I was well, like. he's not short. He's, he's not, not short, short though. He's, he's average, you know, he's short, average short, type. Matt, shorter people. We're talking six feet five. I mean, I used That's, to spar a guy who was 6'11 when I was like under five foot at like 12 years old. Well, maybe you need to give him pointers. So then. it's all about the angles, maybe. man. You just got to put yourself okay. on the right. Like. Reach has its its advantages when you're going straight at somebody, but if you know not to go, like, reach is important in boxing because you're going straight at somebody, you know? Okay. But if you mm-hmm. look at, like, MMA, like, reach is not as important because you get the angle, you pull the jujitsu, and that's, I mean, sabers are, are essentially the same thing. They're just providing you uh, a way to get different angles, you know? Okay, and, like, well... You you should coach him probably because he's probably and, and oh no I want to see him get his ass kicked like I <laughs> I didn't say I'm gonna help him I'm just saying it's possible no I'm here oh, for the content yeah. oh yeah the uh, sibling rivalry is is strong between you two um, the other thing what was I gonna say oh he Matt is like 
so chill and so zen and just like it's just the the he's quiet he's shy colin has the anger and the angst so he does have that going for him that's true you know so we'll see i'm just saying it's stay funny. tuned for that because it's gonna be funny i was helping out with a with the one of the trainings this week so i needed to be able to point to the projector so i brought one of my lightsabers down to be able to use as a pointer and <laughs> of course you did <laughs> obviously and um one of the other teachers was like didn't you have like a whole bunch of these i was like yeah but we broke a bunch of them when we had that lightsaber tournament and i thought back to a couple <laughs> years ago when we literally like last day of school had a lightsaber tournament and broke multiple lightsabers oh no it was great so oh no i'm still in search of kanan's lightsaber again because those may have gotten broken but uh oh man that's probably a really hard one to find too. well they don't they don't sell the good ones anymore where you can put it all no. the way back into the hilt right like if i had known that they were going to stop selling those i would have just bought all of them mm-hmm. you know but I now know. i'm like I'm very protective you. over my lightsabers because i'm like i want the one that goes all the way in that you can clip onto your belt and stuff like that how complicated is that lucasfilm Can i don't know i don't know i don't know why they started doing that either it looks so dumb when you have it sticking out like that yeah like i got frustrated as a kid because i had the the green one the return of the jedi one and it you know you press the button it does the sounds and everything like that mm-hmm. but you, it couldn't go all the way in and i was like i would willingly give up like the sound and light and stuff for this to actually like look like a real lightsaber and I, I guess I wonder almost if the popularity of like combat sabers and like more realistic lightsabers like that has kind of limited them wanting to do that. Like maybe they're like, eh, it's not worth it because I people mean, are maybe, buying sabers with the, I don't know. The little kids need the, the you know, the full extension here's, here's when they're a- playing outside here's the thing that that bothers me okay we're not gonna have like full extension lightsabers but we're gonna have these weird ones where you can put your own sound effects oh my god those are so weird aren't they right (laughs) so weird (laughs) i agree fully it's not okay but he's very excited um the hilt is gold and he's he's landed on um he's gonna use the orange blade of course he is. Of course he is. Was yeah. there? Did he even have to land on that? I thought that just was how it was. No, it was pretty much he thought he would do the orange, but when it came, like, the blue is so pretty. Like, this particular blade, I don't know, it's like a, it's almost like an aqua blue. It's so pretty, but he's like, nah, it's orange. I'm like, well, obviously it's orange. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently so, we're yeah. getting a comic with Luke having a yellow saber. Apparently, oh. Yellow Saber is going to be the new thing. I saw, I've seen a comic cover with it, and then, uh, spoiler what? alert, but Grogu with the the yellow lightsaber. Okay, here's here's why I'm I've been a terrible Star Wars fan lately. I have not even like normally I do keep up with comics as much as I can, and I am so behind at this point. I oh, that's shameful. I don't think th- I don't think this one has come out. I think it was like a preview image that was oh, okay. put out. Okay. So. Well, even the War of the Bounty Hunters, like obviously, I should be, I should be chomping at the bit to read those because you know my boy is in it. Um, I've just been but, like it took me like I enjoyed Rising Storm, but it took me forever to get through it, and so I'm way behind on books. Oh geez. Uh, well, have when I opened today, a single gonna, book? No. No, not not you. I'm no. gonna try to finish Out of the Shadows today because I would like to be caught up, but. That will be for neither here nor there, because here and there, we're going to talk about the Bad Batch. 
Um, so we are going to take a quick break, and then we will be right back after. A test is in order. Five enhanced clones. More capable than an army. Yet they exhibit a concerning level of disobedience in disregard for orders. What else you got? Give me more! Our squad's nothing but trouble. But we get the job done. Climb Force 99. You know who we are. Hunter. Let's go. Echo. Hyperdrive's online. Tick. Prepping to jump. Wrecker. Let's blow something up. Yeah! And Crosshair. Your move. Okay, we are back and ready to talk about The Bad Batch, uh, which... I wanted to have Michelle on because, truth be told, most of the rest of the team on Clashic Sabers is uh, a little less than excited about the Bad Batch. Some, at the time of recording, have not had the chance to finish it, or the decision, Drew Brett. Um, <laughs> he doesn't have kids and a family he has to worry about. Come on, get it together. Get I mean, everybody has their flaws, you know. <sighs> Tell me about it. Um, <laughs> no, so... I'm excited to talk with Michelle because you are very much into the Bad Batch. I love it so much. So, so much. So tell us then, like, what is it about this show that has, I mean, guys, go over and subscribe to Unknown Regions podcast right now because you get two and a half hours on a 20 minute <laughs> show and it's actually like all good content, you know, it's not just, it's not just two hours of talking about something else and then 30 minutes of talking about the show. You guys are getting into the, the thick of it. So tell us what it is about this show that really clicks for you. We try so hard not to do that and it does not matter how hard we try, we end up talking for two hours. I that's how I know that that's a good show. If you can talk for two hours and, like you're saying, like actually talk about the episode for two hours, it, there's something there. Like otherwise, it'd be like a 15 minute conversation and you're done. But I think I've I've sort of sel- I've been doing a lot of reflection on what why am I so into this show because I did not expect to be at all. I knew that it was going to be Colin's jam, like for sure, because he's always been a, a clone lover he grew up during the clone wars watching that as a kid and he loved you know it's i don't know if if you asked him like you know how you ask people what's your star wars i don't know if he would say the clone wars but it would be a very close second after maybe the original trilogy it's very important to him so and particularly the clones like he's not as in clones because like for most people i think Clone Wars is important because of Ahsoka and Anakin and the Force lore and stuff like that. Right, which and he also Colin's, liked. He yeah. does, but for Colin, for those who aren't listening, like the clones are, the clones in particular are his thing. He was like, he was right at that sweet spot age when that show was on, where the Pew Pew was just, it just entranced him. Like that was his, he loved it. So right. um, he's really been waiting his and you know ever since then to get some really good deep storytelling with regards to the clones because to me being 
you know, a kid during the original trilogy. Not that I didn't like any of the other stuff that came after that. Of course I did. But, um, you know, that's just what it did. That didn't get down deep into my DNA. Like when the Clone Wars was on, I was definitely more interested in Ahsoka and that new storytelling um, than I was about the clones. So did not expect to get enthralled with the show. However, I think that's exactly why I got enthralled with this show, <laughs> because it's new. It's really new. Like, we haven't really, other than Rex and, you know, a couple of other um, headline clones, we didn't really see a, a ton, I don't feel like, of a, like, deep, psycho like, we're getting into the psychology of them and what is actually happening between them in, you know, in their, in their heads, like, what what Order 66 did to them or didn't do to them, as we're finding out. Uh, I find I found it to be fascinating. And then we have our Queen Omega. You know, uh, how people aren't completely in love with her, I don't understand. I think she is such an interesting, just really... It, I just, she's got me wrapped around a little finger. I just love her. She's, I want to protect an attack. Anybody I mean, I, and I think, her. <laughs> I think that's the point of her, right? Like, I think yeah. she, I think a lot of people came into the series maybe expecting Omega to be the fulcrum problem, you know, whether it was her personality or the people going after her and stuff like that. And to me, that was a very B storyline. Like, the Kaminoans going after Omega was very, like, B plot storyline. Oh, um, yeah. I think and, so, and, too she grew into herself like there's a there's a clear distinction from the beginning of the series to the end of the series where mm-hmm. at the beginning of the series she is trying to follow the bad batch and by the end she's leading the bad batch yep. but it's not an in your face like luke skywalker going from farm boy to jedi knight like it's not and not that that's a bad thing but it's different than what we're used to it's different than what we expect it's a lot more subtle and i mean i'll just I'll just say it. It's a lot more like Ray's journey where it's a lot more internal. And there's a, a segment of Star Wars fans who are not willing to analyze that internal journey and want it laid out on, on the plate for them. Again, if that's not your thing, that's fine. If you don't want to take the time to analyze all that internal journey of the character, that's fine. But I am saying that, that segment exists. There are the the bad segment of that and the good segment of that like there is with anything else but i think that that is part of the issue is we're getting into this much more internal journey with these characters and you know you it's 100 percent internal by the end of the season all they're doing is sitting talking to each other right i loved i loved i was like this is the this is amazing i i'm so surprised that that's where they went with it because coming off of the mandalorian which Filoni is also involved in, uh, I just assumed, you know, we were going to get the big the big fireworks cameo at the end. I think a lot of people thought that that's what we were going to get. And what we got was conversations with our core characters, which I, uh, I just couldn't applaud it any more loudly. <laughs> I loved it. it it's kind of like uh, the Twin Suns episode, you know, where we're going yeah. into it going, bro, we're going to have this huge final duel that's going to be on the level of duel of the fate and everything like that and they were like that's not that's not the story that we're telling and they leaned into the story that they were telling and i mean 
two points on Filoni before we kind of really focus in on the, the show itself. Number one, to his credit, I think that he is a creator like George who's not interested in what the story that people want to be told. He's interested in the story that he needs to tell. And I have a lot of respect for that, and I, I wish more creators would do that because I think we would have purer forms of art. But at the same time, he's not involved in the day-to-day of this show. Like, he right. has the outline of it. And True. I wish that, you know, and, and I'm as at fault as, for this as, as anybody else, but the we should really be leaning into the people who created this show and the story that they're telling because... You know, Filoni gets the credit in the same way that George does, but, like, the original trilogies are as much other people's projects as they are Absolutely. George's. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So I just and don't I want almost, that to be lost. I almost feel like I looked at Filoni's involvement with this show as a detriment at the beginning because um, I was not a huge fan of how they ended season two of The Mandalorian and... That was I was kind of side eyeing the Bad Batch a little bit because of that too, because I thought, you know, is this going to be another? Like I just said, like we all expected this big cameo at the end, um, and that's because of Filoni's involvement. If he hadn't been involved with the show at all, if it had just been Jennifer Corbett and no Filoni at all, I wouldn't have had that apprehension. I don't think, but because, you know, well, and I I think to an extent the first like four or five episodes, maybe even six episodes, when you have Rex come in, when you have Tarkin, you have Cad Bane, you have Fennec Shan, you have all these new characters. Like, you have this gratuitous cameo of Kanan at the beginning that, like, you didn't really need. Those things, you were really like, why are we bringing in all of these characters? And it felt like, okay, this is just going to be like how Lost Stars goes right next to the main story. Mm-hmm. You know, like one of those where Lost Stars does it extremely successfully, but this one started to feel like, okay, this is going to be, and that's a hard thing to pull off to be able to do that successfully and get you to care about these characters who are next to all the characters that you care about already. It's not an easy feat. That's why Lost Stars is such a phenomenal book. And it started to feel like, like I'm looking through all the way through the ninth episode is when we was our final episode with Cad Bane. And it's like, oh my God, is this all we're getting? But then you get the the Ryloth episodes with Hera, and it's like, okay, now we now we're getting somewhere because it's seeming like these cameos actually are meaningful, and they're not just there to be cameos, you know. Um, and and I would say Cad Bane partially did that. I think that storyline of what exactly was going on there is not fully resolved. And I hope we get a resolution to that. Otherwise it will feel like that. It'll feel like, Oh, we we need a bounty hunter. Let's just pull in Cad Bane. You know, when maybe we don't bring him in unless it's really pertinent to the story that he be the one that goes there. Like, why is, why was it not just Fennec Shand or why was it not just Cad Bane? Like there's something going on there that we don't have an answer to yet. So I think they at least set things like that up where, for the most part, the cameos benefited the characters of this story instead of this story benefiting those characters. I'm sure, I well, I know for a fact a lot of people felt like a lot of the cameos, quote-unquote cameos, were shoehorned a little bit. I kind of never felt that way. I don't know why. It just seemed, like, organic to me. And I know Colin agrees with me. I don't. I don't know 
why that it, the only one that felt slightly gimmicky to me and he about punched me out when i said this last week was cad bane because he absolutely loves cad bane and he was so excited that he was back um and i get that that's fine uh but like you said the 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 way that they played it with fennec and it just made sense in the story like of course of course lamasu is going to hire him he's the you know number one bounty hunter in the galaxy why wouldn't he you know what i mean so but see like and i liked kanan at the beginning i know there's a lot of grumbling about it i loved it i I don't know why i just i don't have a problem with cameos as long as they don't take over the as long as i can still still feel attached to the core characters and the story they're telling and it all plays out in a way that makes me feel like it's working i'm cool with it i don't get I don't, and that's weird to say because I really didn't like Luke Skywalker, like I said, at the end of Mandalorian, but I felt that took away from the story they had been telling all season, and I think that's why that bothered me so much. See, but I'm the um, reverse, I'm the reverse know. of you as far as, like, Cad Bane and Kanan are concerned, because, like, with Kanan, I felt like it was kind of, why are we doing this? And with Cad Bane, I was apprehensive at first, but because they created this mystery around who hired who and what, like, I, I have a yeah, feeling yeah. it's going to come back. And so it I'm made sense. I, I agree. Like, by the end of it, I was like, OK, I, I dig it. It's fine. I just thought it was like he himself is such a caricature Yeah. <laughs> that I'm just like, OK. <laughs> I think maybe if, if the Kanan voice acting hadn't been so terrible. Yeah, they, like, yeah, that was odd. I I've tried, you. and it's it just, odd. it's it's painful. Like, I'm all for bringing the people back and everything like that, but, like, especially when in the season you have Vanessa Marshall in there also doing a younger Hera, and you see how much she crushed it. Oh, my it. gosh, crushed and, it. And, like, Freddie Prince Jr. did his best. I'm not knocking him, but he has such a deep voice. Like, yeah. it's going to be hard to, and let, you know, like, if you're desperate to have him in there, if you're absolutely going to have him in there, then you've got to be able to know that your sound people can mix it to make sure that it's right. And I just, I think that's the, the two places I would say that they dropped the ball, and these, this is really the only two, is one with the Kanan, and then two, I think it was too many episodes. I don't think we needed all 16, and yes, I know. I know, because I'm the one that makes the argument that they don't ever do anything by accident. <laughs> I know, I invented that argument. But I, I feel like I feel like if they bring stuff back from season one, like let's say they go back and they bring Moochie back or something like that, like it's so far back, like why not just put it in season two? You know, like I would rather have four, eight to ten uh, episode seasons than like three or than like two 16 episode seasons. You know what I mean? Like we talked about this on, on unknown regions. I, I brought up the fact like this was an oddly high number of episodes for a season of television in today's day and age where we get, you know, 12 would have been a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's got to be a reason, bro. There's got to be a reason they did that. And there's got to be a reason for some of those episodes that, of course, everybody was talking about as filler. And, you know, we are, we are we are on the same page as far as, you know, space whales. That's all well, I have to say. Space whales. And, like, I think there's points, like, like for example, 
to me, the one that stands out most of all is Rampage, is the one with the, the Rancor. Mm-hmm. Um, because you brought back the Zygerians and all of it. I think that was a very metaphorical episode, which very. I know a lot of people mm-hmm. are not as on board with as I am, of how uh, the Rancor represents the, the monster inside of Wrecker and uh, the Zygerians representing the, the slavery of the galaxy to the Empire and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um so I think there's there's certain ones like Common Ground is not my absolute favorite. Infested um, is another one. We, I mean, we haven't really talked about it yet, but Infested, you know, I think is an episode all about light and dark. You know, you have all those the lights and stuff it's like that. It's a hundred percent. It is. A forest metaphor. And but, of course I loved it because it was. <laughs> but here's my so, question. Here's my question cool. though. Do we need that if that's all it is? I do. Yes. See, I don't think we do. I, <laughs> I need it. <laughs> I think that that dichotomy is set up enough in things like the Ryloth arc, in things like replacements, where you have already have this use of light and dark and uh, the the struggle in between. Because to me, the entire season centers around uh, Rafa's remarks about eventually everybody chooses sides. It's, that's the theme of the entire season, for sure. Right. And so you've already got that. You already have multiple episodes where you very much set up a light and dark dichotomy, like even in the Ryloth arc right before it. So why do you really need this? So again, I reserve making any like real judgment until I have the entirety of the series because then you can go back and go, okay, the Pergil. Okay, you know, uh, this or that or the other thing. But... As it stands right now, I think it would have been more effective as like a 12 max episode season. Uh, And honestly, even a little less than that. Especially if you know... Okay, I'm sorry. I have a third one. I really wish they wouldn't have told us a season two was coming until after the the finale. Like the finale finale. Hmm. It took all the weight... It took the weight away away from it. Like I knew they weren't going to die. If I'm sitting there going, I don't know if they're coming back for a season two, then, okay, maybe Omega does die trying to save AZ. Maybe Wrecker does sacrifice his life, or maybe Hunter's going to jump in front of the bullet to save Omega. Like, Yeah. But when you go, okay, we're coming back for a season two, you're not going to come back for a season two without one of the main characters when you've, like... Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like Colin or my husband agrees with you. I can't remember which one of them said that something similar. Um, personally, I was glad we knew because I would have been having a frigging heart attack the entire time had I not. I mean, I was already having a heart attack because I thought AZ was gone. So <laughs> if I had thought Omega might die or Wrecker might die or somebody else might die, I probably would have. Yeah, had a hard okay, time. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna play devil's advocate here, and I, and I don't know which side of the the line I fall on on this one. Az should have died. Bro, come on. Like, no. I get away from me. I'm I'm standing between you and Az right now. Not because <laughs> don't come I near don't. Him. Not because I don't like Az. I don't have a problem with Az. I think I think he's good comedic relief and. Um, I think the you know what he represents as Omega's friend and possibly the only friend that she had for the yeah. twelve or thirteen years. Like I like I like all kidding? of that stuff, but 
I think we live in this age where everybody comes back from the dead and weight has no death has no weight to it anymore like literally and I, we're not going to get into Rise of Skywalker because I know you'll go off but <laughs> out of all of its flaws to me the biggest flaw is all the fake deaths you take all the weight away at the end of the movie that you're trying to get with Ben Solo dying you're trying to get this weighty thing happening but you've given us four fake deaths before that so there's no weight to it anymore and so the fake death for AZ to me I'm like I want to know that some like I want to know that somebody could die I don't necessarily want everybody to die I don't need that dark kind of story but you need to to me you need to sacrifice somebody that's not going to come back in order to put that extra weight on especially this point in the galaxy and I think if you go and you end the season you let AZ sacrifice himself it's not like he got killed it's not you know like a K2SO situation but he gave his life to protect Omega so that Omega could have this new life to me that would have been the better storyline I uh, I can't I cannot agree with any of what you just said. <laughs> just be, because you like AZ, or because you think what they did was the better better version of the story. I both. Okay. Because um, okay, for for the very selfish reason of that, I want Gonky and AZ to be to be the R two and three PO of of. The no, no, edge. no, ma'am, no, ma'am. Super the, badly. The Super uh, badly. Chopper um, and uh, what's what's the other one's name in Rebels? Oh God, I just blanked on his name. Oh, what is his name? Shoot, I'm never gonna think of it. I know. I know who you're talking about, though. I know. I, yeah, I just I need them to be cranky at each other. I need them to be also best friends in spite of the crankiness. I l- I want them to be competing for Omega's attention. I think it's gonna be great. I, 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 my heart sank when he sank and I knew immediately, no, 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 no. You can't take him away from her. That's not okay. She already thought she lost him once. That's enough. Poor girl needs her droid bestie. She just does. So I, that's because, you know, I'm, I'm a softie for droids. We know this, this Mm -hmm. is no secret. And he's a great one the comic relief alone i don't know i don't know how they keep coming up with these brilliant droid characters but there were so many this season where i was like i love every single droid that they introduced every single one they're all like top tier droids i don't think there was a character that they introduced that i didn't like you know like uh rebels has a couple where i don't think so either Who's the guy? I'm just completely having Rebels fog. I need to rewatch the whole series now. Um, the one that Hera hits with the the pan, and she's like, "Useful pan." Oh, he was based on one of the uh, like art things of Jabba the Hutt that they one of the designs they threw away. Oh man! All I can think of is Igerian, and that's not it. If you're yelling at your radio, tweet at the Drew Brett <laughs> um, and tell him how how messed up. No, um, but like the. I don't like uh, 
Asmorgan. It's Asmorgan is what it is. Oh, good job. I, I know. Look at me go. Good job, neurons. <laughs> I don't like Asmorgan. I, I, like, literally can't stand that character. And not in a good way. Like, you're really detracting from my enjoyment of this story. You know? Um, there's none of those characters in here, in my opinion. Like, Sid, I'm not invested in, but I don't dislike. You know, Colin not really like, does not like her, and I don't know yeah. why. He's really grumpy about her. I'm just like, well, you don't have the Carla Tortelli attachment like I do, and I yeah. just love that that Rhea Perlman is pl- in friggin' Star Wars now. It's so bizarre, <laughs> but I love it. You know, and I'm very interested in that character too. And that's another reason I like that episode Infested. I thought that was it was interesting with regards to her character development because now. I mean, I just kind of assumed the whole season, oh, she's going to do them dirty. There's no, she's going to do them dirty. It just seems obvious. But then as the season went on and she seemed to really form an attachment to Omega, like a genuine attachment. Now I'm not so sure. Now I'm not so sure she would. Yeah. And again, like, it, it, and I understand the level of cop out that this is. To say, like, well, we don't have the full story, but we literally don't have the full story. No, no, so, I, it's not a cop-out. It's, if nothing, if if we've learned nothing else from these series, that's the lesson. Like, don't start screaming filler because you have no idea what Roland's going to do or his mom. Like, I'm convinced that they're going to be involved at some point. Oh, and yeah. they're going to come back and it's going to be a big deal. You know, well, it's like, I, you look at Rebels, you know, like if you had ended Rebels at season two, it would be one of my favorite things still, but it would not be my favorite Star War. Like true. Mm-hmm. what they did with season three and especially season four to bring that to a conclusion brought it to such a satisfying conclusion that it enhanced everything else. And I think if we want to just stick in this season, I think the, fin- the finale actually even. I would call it almost like a triple finale with War Mantle all the way to Camino yeah. Lost all being Yeah, that's fair. A, like a finale arc. Let's let's really focus in because Infested like we said there's not a lot to really go off of because we don't have we don't have the full story there. There's definitely something more that's going to happen with these characters. But what about War Mantle, which War Mantle is uh you know where we start to get the the clone troopers not agreeing with the stormtroopers, we get um, just the Gregor? first. We get Gregor. We get Gregor. I mean, we get these first real glimpses of the transition between the clones and the stormtroopers. So, like, what was your what was your feelings on? on all of that and the way that they started to set up that transition between the characters. I would say, oh gosh, it's hard to say which of the three last episodes are my favorite, but I, uh, yeah, I can't really say warm. The second to last one really made me. Oh yeah. Put me in some feels I didn't even know I had. Um, But war mantle kind of did that too, because just for well like i just said the fact that we finally um see gregor again was a big deal and it you know nicely connected the dots a little bit between rex and and gregor and how they 
And what's the third one um, in Rebels when they... Wolf. Um, wolf, Wolf. Yeah, we haven't seen him yet, so I'm obviously we're probably going to see him at some point. Um, I liked that they had started to connect those dots. Um, I'm trying to remember. I know I loved that episode. Well, uh, and I think part of why I consider that like it's a finale trilogy is because the ideas that you get of the clones versus the stormtroopers and that transition there and how eventually they're getting rid of all the clones. We know that because we know where the story ends. It adds weight to um, to Crosshair not wanting to join the team in the next two episodes. You know, it, right. him sticking... Right, the whole Crosshair thing, yeah. It, yeah, like, you're like, oh my god, dude, really? Like, but... Again, this is one of those things where the people in Star Wars don't know they're in Star Wars. They haven't <laughs> seen everything, and we have. And that dramatic irony, to me, added weight to it. And when you when you stick in a character like Gregor, who we know goes off to live on his own and survives and everything like that, you go, okay, well, one, there's an example of what could happen with the Bad Batch, right? True. And mm-hmm. two... If that is what happens with the Bad Batch Crosshair, you're really giving up that life to literally die for this empire that does not care about you. And that's something that I think they kind of softened us up for in a good way because that's kind of the debate that goes on between um, Hunter and and Crosshair over the next two episodes is, dude, you're just a number to them. Right. Right. And the other thing, now I'm remembering that... um really kind of got me in this one was and i know you're not a fan of her i remember you saying you do not like her but um nala say when i was just really impacted by her storyline and i don't know if it's because i'm a mom i don't know if it's because i really saw her right from the get-go is oh she has feelings for omega like this is not fake she actually wants her to be okay and the with her interacting with all those little baby clone kids um it was early in the episode and she's walking with the uh the little group of clone boys and you know they're they're wondering what's going on because they're being taken off planet and they're like well do we still get to be soldiers and she's like yeah 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 you're just gonna you're just gonna go somewhere else and everything's fine and you could, you could, I could just feel how she was saying these things to keep them calm, yet very afraid for them. Oh, yeah. And and the ending where they were, you know, I guess, rest in peace, Lama Sue, a.k.a. Bob Bergen. We hope not. We have our fingers crossed that Bob will be back. <laughs> we haven't <laughs> seen a body. This is Star Wars. We have exactly. not seen a body. We did not see gun. We didn't even hear gunshot like blaster fire. We heard, we saw and heard nothing of him. So, fingers crossed. But them taking her away at the end seemed inevitable. I mean, we Colin and I have been talking all season. Like, oh, this is this is just writings on the wall for her. She's going to be the one that starts them down the path to what happens with all the cloning nonsense and rides of Skywalker. It's just that's what this is. But um, to, but watching it play out, though, it was like, oh, man, I just, oh, I really, I still, f- I'm, I'm still sad she didn't get any sort of reunion with 
Omega. I just wanted them to have like one little quick, even if it was just, even if it was just eye contact across a room or something, just kind of a, a solidification of their relationship as like mom prime and kid. I would have been happy with anything, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Anyway, it doesn't look like that's not going to happen though. I, I mean, don't know. I, don't I think know. if you wanted to move away from that relationship, then you don't put that epilogue on there. See, I feel the exact opposite. I feel like that epilogue was just there to say, yep, you're right. This is, we're connecting the dots back to her and her research. Um, and then we're never going to see her again. No, I don't. I think. I kind of feel like that's what that was. But no, I don't know. I could be because, told. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm very wrong. Because I want to see her again. Well, but. I'll tell you why you're very wrong. And it's because we have that scientist who has the same patch as Dr. Pershing. Looks very much like Galen Erso's outfit in mm-hmm. Rogue One. Like, that's a big character to design to just have Nala say off somewhere and like, there's the only carrot that you get. Go ahead and make the connections yourself. I think, especially when they took a lot of airtime to show you how dedicated and loyal Omega is. Like, going back to AZ, like she almost gave her life to save this droid, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's the, the real final note that they gave us, you know? And her basically giving up on Crosshair, more or less, and being like, dude, we're your family, but whatever, do your thing, like, adds weight to that. So I think you've spent so much time building Omega up as this empathetic character that doesn't care about your history, but is going to try to save you and is going to try to help you. You have the one person in the galaxy who we can assume was protecting her. And she's I hope you're right. In trouble? I would, uh, I would love it. Rescue mission for sure. I, oh my god! Please, please, now, force willing. Yes, I would cry so hard if that happens. I would love it. Now, here's 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 my caveat to that. I think it would be a mistake for it to be a successful mission. Yeah. Well, she's a Star Wars mom. She's not gonna live. <laughs> I mean, she doesn't get to live. She's a story mom. Moms just don't get to live in stories, period. It's kind of sad. Um, yeah. I, I think at some point I think we're going to get... I don't think they're going to just leave these threads out here like they did Like they did with the First Order. Like There's still so much mystery around where the First Order is because they just kind of let people drop bombs here and there you know like there's mm-hmm. the, uh, the maxim warriors and bloodline and just these different ones where you're like was that the start of the first order and to me with something that's that important to the saga of star wars you if you're not going to answer it in the movie you have to answer that question somewhere and this is this is the difference between like things that i think are good cameos and connections and things that aren't you don't have it you don't have to have it be Kanan and Depo Balaba there at the beginning of, of the season, right? You don't have to have that. But in order for Rise of Skywalker, and particularly we'll talk just about the Palpatine thing, in order for that to make sense, you have to give us something more than what we got in the Rise of Skywalker novelization where, oh, he just jumped to another body. Like, how does that happen? Where did that come from? What like what happens with the clones? Like these are big questions that I think will leave a giant void that 
like I'm, I'm a fan of mystery, but that to me, that's just too big of a void to leave on something that you sent, spent so many years investing in to just leave it out there. Like, yeah, that's fair. Not having an answer, you know, like, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like it's almost like the, uh, the death star plans, you know, you're like at the beginning of, of a new hope, you're like, okay, but what happened with the death star plans? Like who right. are these rebels? <laughs> And we get Rogue One because of that. I think the th- same thing here where it's like, but how? I want to yeah. know, you know, and just having Poe go, somehow Palpatine is returned. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> no, no, no. We need, we need to know that how. Will never, that will never not be funny. Oh, my God. It's, <laughs> I feel so bad for Oscar Isaac in that movie. You could just tell he's like, you know what? I'm over all y'all. But, he's just standing there like, who wrote this? Yeah. Ish. <laughs> And and I do, I do on that note want to say that I like that they showed the destruction of Camino not just for the series but for the story overall. I think just being like, well, maybe the Caminoans are still out there. Like, could be we never oh, seen yeah. it. No, they're they're done for, and for all intents and purposes, the Empire. That's one of their first acts of genocide. Uh, is destroying the very thing that helped them build themselves to me that's really powerful it's very then, powerful storytelling very and it's like I, i'm sure we'll get to that episode eventually but like i said that episode had me in some feelings for camino and caminoans and cloning and all that stuff that i did not even know was in me i didn't know it until until the end of what was that second to last episode called? I can't remember. Uh, Return to Camino. Return to Camino. Until they started firing on it, I was like, "Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh no, we knew this was coming, and I'm still sitting here with my jaw on the ground, like." Uh, well, and uh, yeah, when you think about yeah, what they did to rough. set all of that up, right? They take you into the clones room multiple times throughout the season. So they take you back there. They take you back to the place where they were born and modified in return to Camino, right? And it's all nice and pretty and then it's their last form of survival when you get to the next episode. Like these they set up these dichotomies of the past and the the future that they're creating, that rebirth, that symbolism that's there. Because obviously there's a ton of that and I've got a bunch of that in my articles and stuff too if you want to dig more into that. But like it's those two episodes are, are literally just like life and death metaphors throughout the whole the whole thing, right? And, and the way I, I it's ma- it's masterful storytelling. It just is. The if if I had seen or if I had read in a comic book or if I had read in a book or whatever that they destroyed Camino without having seen this entire season of the bad batch like you're saying like the way that they set it up the way that they made you feel things about this place that maybe you didn't really have any feelings for at all to begin with i mean they i they played me like a violin like it was it was absolutely perfectly done start to finish as far as that goes couldn't have done a better job it was just incredibly done i was so surprised like i keep saying that i'm so surprised at this at the level of storytelling that this show accomplished but it's true well here's the thing that surprised me the most and we talked about this um you know just in our our chat but showing camino with sunlight oh my god i how oh 
Have you ever felt sunlight be more unsettling than that? No. I mean, I don't know if it was unsettling. I didn't really take it. We can talk about it later or we can talk about it now. It's, no, no, let's know. talk about it now. Go for okay. it. Okay. It was unsettling slightly. Oh, I wouldn't say unsettling. To me, it was like... It was like a shock to the system. It was it was very... And you know what's weird? Colin didn't even notice. He did not notice that. When I brought it up, finally... I, I know, I was like, what? You didn't notice that it was sunny on Camino? And he's like, no. I was so invested in what Crosshair was going to do that I didn't even notice. <laughs> okay. Well, and and but, I'm kind of in between where you and him were, where I'm like watching it and I'm like, something's... Like, it's not off. Something's like, off. Yeah, it's Yeah, different. but something's off. Weird. Something's different. And then once I was finally working on my article, I was like, oh, my God, we saw sunlight on Camino. And if that yeah. isn't a rebirth, I don't know what is. Well, yeah, that's what I was about to say. I definitely, it was a shock to the system. And I was trying to take in, at the time I was watching it, I was just trying to take in what they were saying, what they were doing. And then later on when I was like, okay, what was the purpose of that? And... In the end, I think the purpose of that is, this is Star Wars. There's always hope. There's always light at the end of the tunnel. And I, uh, I, even though it seemed a little eerie at the time, I think that's what, that's like, you know, Crosshair standing there going, nope, not going to change. This doesn't change anything. And I'm like, it changes everything, you dope. It's yeah. sunny on Camino. Are you not seeing that? <laughs> like, what's wrong with you? And I, you know, I really... I couldn't love it more. Like, I couldn't possibly love it more. It was perfect. And I think that this season, and especially the way that they ended it with these two episodes being so centered around life and death and, you know, being reborn to this new purpose and things like that for the Bad Mm -hmm. Batch, getting rid of all of these old connections that they had. Because really the only old connection that they have now is Crosshair and Nala Se. Right, two mm-hmm. very personal connections. A personal connection for Omega in particular, and then for for the Bad Batch overall. So now you go into season two, and you don't have to, I guess, deal with all of those other things dangling on the tree. You know, you mm-hmm. just have to get to the root of these two characters. So, where this season I think is primarily centered around being reborn to a new purpose, I think next season is going to be a lot more centered around all right what do you what do you do when you get a second chance and what is worth changing your mind over you know it's going to be a lot more idealistic i think than this one was um because i don't think there was any like realm of reality where we would have really believed in the story ending without the bad batch have having found a purpose you know right right so I think there's definitely going to be some hooking up with the rebellion and stuff like that, but I think they found their purpose now. And I'm not going to lie, I'm going to be I won't say disappointed, but I will be apprehensive if they keep going back to the come on crosshair, come back to our side, come back to our side, come back to our side for an entire another season. I would rather not that I don't want to see him be redeemed because it's Star Wars, so he's going to end up being redeemed. Like just how <laughs> it's how this thing works. Yeah. But I don't want the entire second season to be focused on that because I'm sitting here going, yeah, but you had 16 episodes to do that on this season. So why? Did well, you end I mean, with that? did we though? Really? Because 
as far as we knew, he still had the chip up until um, very recently. Like, like, we only found out in the second to last episode that he didn't have a chip anymore. And he really didn't have, he really didn't, he didn't not have the chip for very long. That's why, that's why I slept on Crosshair for so long this entire season. He's got a chip in his head. How interesting is that? That's not interesting to me. Of course he's going to be a jag, like we called him on our show, (laughs) because he's programmed to be ultra-violent and loyal to the Empire. That's not interesting to me. There's no conflict there. There's no inner conflict. The second we found out he didn't have a chip anymore, now I'm fully... I'm, 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 I'm walking in the Crosshair Parade. I'm so excited about Crosshair now. Well, but I think I do kind of want to see I do kind of want to see them wrestling with him a little bit while they know this is a choice and not programming. You know what I mean? Am I making sense? Yeah, no, you're you're 100 percent making sense. I think my biggest fear is if we get another 16 episodes and that's the central storyline. I bet we don't. I bet it's going to be a normal like 10 I would hope so because if we get, you know, 14 episodes of them going back and forth with Crosshair, now you're at 30-something episodes of this series where it's back and forth with this conclusion that we know is going to happen. To me, that's just exhausting. Yeah, I don't don't know. I don't think they'll go to that well, you know... I mean... Yeah, you're right. That well would get get boring after several episodes. Right. You're right. And so, like, for me... If you create some other storyline and then all of a sudden out of more or less nowhere, Crosshair turns and rejoins the team or gives his life for the team or for Omega in particular, there I think you have some impact because it is not what you're expecting. But if you set up the entire season to be centered around his apparent conflict, which he clearly barely has going on inside of himself, to me that's... It's just going to be exhausting of like, okay, but now I don't really care if he does get redeemed because he's done all of this stuff, you know? It's like, and, and we've seen the, to me, we've seen the slow burn of knowing somebody's going to turn back to the light. Mm-hmm. In, many times. <laughs> many times, but even in most recent memory, you know, with Ben Solo, like, I know there's a lot of people who thought he was going to die, like, you and me, we never thought he was going to die as Kylo Ren. Like, there was never a chance of that happening. And I know people wanted it, but I don't think people really believed that that was going to happen. Like, this is Star Wars. And I don't think anybody really believes that Crosshair is going to stay bad. But, yeah, they Yeah, I don't understand those people. You know that. You know that. I have absolutely no understanding why. <laughs> we did a whole... I, had, I did a whole rant on our last episode... Why are you watching Star Wars if you don't like redemption stories? Go find something else. Well, here's the thing, though. It's just always going to be one of the main themes. Like, what are you doing? To play devil's advocate, if they were going to go against that theme one time, this would be the time to do it. Mm, I think you've built a strong enough character with Crosshair where we would go, dang it, I was really hoping he was going to turn back. You know? I just... That would just I, I, it I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying, and I and I probably like you're, like you're saying if they're ever going to do it, maybe this is the time. But that's just so and that's just not Star Wars. Though. I hundred percent agree like, with you. What? No. I don't think it's going to happen, and I don't want it to happen. But no, if they were going to do it, they've set up Crosshair to be a character who could. You, I'm sorry, but you couldn't do that with Ben Solo. That's Han and Leia's kid. 
You yeah, couldn't no. do that, right? You couldn't do that with, let's say, Ahsoka. You couldn't do that with, I mean, even, I know, like, order of movies that couldn't have happened, but let's say you get one through six in order, you couldn't do that with Anakin. You know, like, but with Crosshair, we don't have the years of investment. He's done basically nothing redeem redeemable except for that moment where he uh, is, you know, pointing the gun and he shoots. What does he shoot again? I forget. He shoots something it's to help like, Omega. Yeah, it's like a, um, it's like a cross Bowie type of, or like a harpoon yeah. type of situation. Yeah, well, and, and, and even that is repayment for what she did for him in the episode before. You can you definitely know, look at it like that. Yep. It's it's and and I would say it's set up like that. Like they make a point of this is how mm-hmm. he sees it. So he doesn't have a lot of points on on the the green side of the ledger, and that to me that's the the time that you could go ahead and go like, all right, we're going to do this one where he just goes out, and this is the time I, period I, to do I get it because it's you're the saying. dark times. I get what you're saying, but, but it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. No, and I'm I'm 100 playing devil's advocate here. I'm like, hmm. Okay, so let's let's look forward because uh, we've talked quite a bit about these episodes, and I know you have uh, two and a half hours, almost five hours worth of content. Uh, well, no, if you count all three of the last three episodes, you have about oh, yeah. eight hours worth of content. Yeah, we're not going to talk about it, Brandon. Um, but what are your I don't want to say must-sees for for season two because I don't, I don't like putting that kind of pressure on something we have no control over. But right. what what are some ideas that you have, some big things you think could happen in season two of the Bad Batch? Well, now you've got me hoping for a. I, I was I was I had already come to peace with the fact that I didn't think we were going to see Nalase anymore. Now you've got me hoping for a Nalase rescue mission. So thanks a lot. I'm sure yeah. I'm going to be disappointed and devastated. So no, I you'll be you. happy. It'll happen, but it, you're going to be sad because she dies. She gonna die. I know. I just I'd rather see her not die and just wonder what's going on than. <gasps> what if Nala say is Snoke? Stop. Okay. Please. I'll see myself out. Bye, guys. <laughs> Batchy. Goodbye. Um, okay. Well, I'm still holding on with a death grip. I'm not letting this theory go until someone looks me in the face and tells me I'm wrong that Omega is force sensitive. Colin thought he was really doing something the other day when he, when we watched the episode and there was no big reveal that she's force sensitive. He really thought he was doing something by coming up in my grill and being like, Haha, you're wrong. I'm like, excuse me, I'm sorry. We have another season coming. Yeah. Perhaps that wasn't, they're not ready for that yet. Perhaps that's going to be next season's big thing. I'm just, it's not, and I keep telling him too, it's not that I'm going to be mad if she's not. I just feel like that's part of this, uh, it's part of the storytelling. Because it's, the whole, I, I, they named her Omega for a reason. Mm-hmm. They did not have to give her that name. They could have named her anything, absolutely anything. Even if they were gonna, even if they were gonna make her and Boba twins, they did not have to use a biblical reference like that to name them Alpha and Omega. They just did not have to. They could have named them anything, but they chose Alpha and Omega. And I just, I have a lot. I have a, I have a whole ledger 
full of evidence that she's force sensitive. Some of it is like um, actual evidence from the story. Some of it is more metaphorical like that choices that they've made in the storytelling that just is very suspicious and seems like dropped breadcrumbs to me. And it all adds up to me thinking uh, again, that either one of two options, either um, Nala say was just messing around in the lab and wanted to see if she could do it or she's just simply chosen by the force to be a force sensitive clone and she's just special that way and that's that either way i feel like it's gonna it, be, because the other thing it does is it points to the um the whole palpatine thing about yeah. how he was trying to make snoke to be force sensitive and they succeeded in doing that so those dots get connected in that way if that's the case and also I, to grogu grogu is another thing that yeah. comes into play with that so hmm, i'm like, just saying my working theory i'm with you on she's going to be force sensitive are you yeah oh, i am i don't know how i feel about it yet because i do think you have the danger there of once more demystifying the force um but I have no indication that they're going to do it wrong. So I have no reason to be like against it, but I'm definitely a little more reserved on the, yeah, it's probably going to happen, but what's it going to be like? How are they going to pull it off? Because again, they're setting up this stuff. You pointed out, you got Grogu, you got Snoke, you've got uh, cloning, you've got, you know, all of these connections going on that would lead you to think, okay, you go Omega and then Grogu, Snoke, like, there's this progression to get this body that Palpatine was trying to get, this version of right. himself, this strand cast, whatever you want to call it. So, I think logically it makes sense. However, my biggest thing is, okay, if you get it right with Omega, then why were you trying to do other stuff also? So, to me, you have to have her be set up. If you're going to set her up as a Force-sensitive, that's fine. And I think that it, it makes sense for the story. But there has to be some fatal flaw for why Palpatine didn't just do that again. Okay. And that fatal Here's flaw my... could be in it could be in Omega, or it could be something that happens in the storyline that prevents that transfer of information. Because my again, this is just a running theory, is you go from Omega, something went wrong there with the human couldn't handle the amount of power that Palpatine was trying to transfer over, right? So you go to Grogu, right? And you do a clone of Yoda and try to make it like that. And in a species that can handle a high midi-chlorine count, doesn't work. Maybe you try a bigger body, you know, that could carry more midi-chlorine. Like, I can see a progression there that doesn't work if Omega was the perfect clone. Here's, here's my thought on that. And I've, cause I've thought about that too. And I think, okay, if they're, if they're going to go the route that she was just chosen by the force to be force sensitive, nobody even knows she is. She just is. We haven't found that out yet. Nalase doesn't know. Nobody knows. Then, you know, she's already, she's already not in their clutches. So they don't have any way of they never, you know, they never got a hold of her DNA again. So she's just gone. 
they don't have any access to her anymore to study that or, or anything. The That's option one. Option two is if this was a special under the radar, like personal little project that Nalise worked on and, and it worked. And that's why she was keeping her so close to her all the time and having her work in the lab with her. And she actually developed maternal feelings towards her because she just, you know, she knows how special she is. She's not going to volunteer that information. Nobody else knows but her that she's force sensitive and how special she is. She's certainly not going to tell the Empire, oh, by the way, I succeeded in making a force sensitive clone. Here you go. Here's the data. You know what I mean? It's all going to be like, that's why uh, I was so frustrated. That's why when they made it clear that Nalase had this secret lab and this secret landing platform and all of that, I was like, here we go. We're getting we're going to find out right now. They're going to find data in her computer or whatever that pertains to Omega and all these force uh, experiments that Nalase was doing in secret. I really thought that was going to be the big reveal, but obviously it wasn't. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Like if she... No, I, a hundred percent. Cause like when I say fatal flaw, it could be a flaw in like the genetics that stopped Omega from being the perfect clone or a fatal flaw in that timeline, something that happened that stopped that transfer of information. So I'm, I, I, I like what you're saying there. I hadn't thought about it from that perspective, but I think that that works a hundred percent and Maybe. Well, like I said, I'm, I'm holding on to it for dear life until Dave Filoni calls me or Jennifer Corbett calls me personally and says, stop hanging on for dear life. She's not force <laughs> Oh, man. She, like, tries to force push somebody. It doesn't work. And she- well, because that's, that's, that's what Colin brought up. She's like, there were so many opportunities for her to be in such a distressed emotional state that it would have come out, and it didn't. And I'm like, you're, no, you're right. There were several times when I really thought she might, this might be it. This might be it. Like when, when a Z was falling and they were falling, I was like, okay, half expecting her to use the force because she was in a panic. You know what I mean? Well, but if you look at at somebody like Ray and we don't get now, again, we're going to stick with just the storyline, not the actual creative aspect of it, but you get Ray, and she goes through all of these terrible things growing up on Jakku, the stress of everything that happens in Force Awakens, you know, with Han being killed, everything she struggles with in The Last Jedi. And it's not until Rise of Skywalker that you get her losing control over her Force powers. Like, That's it true, takes that long for it to build up for her to actually lose control of this power that she, you know, is aware that she has and could be doing something to prevent. So. To me, Omega isn't even aware of it. And she's a child, which is also a bonus. It's a bonus because you can say that. Well, she's just a child. She didn't know um, what she was capable of. So I think you Um, could definitely uh, still have that kind of reveal and not make it be like, well, why didn't you do that already? Uh, Right. Especially if you have her maternal figure in in Nalise still out there. And, I mean, could could you imagine if... She tries to rescue Nalase and fails and just like sends out, you know, like a, a big force vibe and just kills everybody on the floor or knocks everybody oh out God. on the floor. So, something crazy <laughs> like that. How cool would that be for all the oh. all the people who want like star killer type stuff? You just have Omega do some star killer type move or just ah, and takes out everybody. I would never laugh harder than if that happened actually. It would be, pre- that would be, it'd great. be pretty cool. Predictions for crosshair. 
and his particular brand of redemption. You had said that you thought she he was probably going to save Omega in some way, and that that would be a big tick in the worthy of redem- redemption column. Personally, I think he's going to rescue a brick ton of clones that are still in the Imperial system, or maybe they're imprisoned. We've got to get back to Hot Hauser some way. If we oh don't get back goodness. to Hot Hauser, if we don't get back to Hot Hauser, I'm going to personally write a scathing email to Jennifer Corbett and say, why would you introduce us to Hot Hauser and then never have, and then we never see him again? Like, that's not okay. You too we all, much. <laughs> we, we need him back. We need him back. So I'm thinking that's his little redemption story that he will somehow have a change of heart and, and see like his brothers without chips anymore or maybe defective chips like we saw you know oh yeah we didn't even talk about that either how what the heck is up with uh, so many of these clones chips not working what i mean obviously camino thought they were doing a great job but clearly they were not that's what happens <laughs> when you don't check your tech check your technology before your presentation exactly yeah. what what were they even doing they didn't deserve all that payment they screwed up big time but anyway i'm just saying i think that's that's how i feel like and i'm hoping that's what he does to get on his road to redemption it'd be pretty cool but we will have to wait until season two to see that happen and um while they're waiting michelle if they want to go back and listen to y'all's analysis of of season one on the unknown regions podcast tell them where they can go to do that Oh, well, you can go pretty much um, all your normal podcast places, iTunes or um, Stitcher or Spotify, and just search for Unknown Regions Podcast, and we will probably pop up on any of those normal platforms. Absolutely. And uh, you are at Freya Jason on the tweets? Yes, my personal handle is at Freya Jason. We do have a podcast handle at Unknown Reach Pod, but... I am old and have a problem with managing more than one Twitter account. So <laughs> if you really want to talk if you really want to talk to me, at Freya Jason is your best bet. Alright, so go on over there and give a follow to both Michelle and the podcast. Um, and I'll have the links in the show notes as well. As far as clashing sabers, you know where to find us. On the Twitter, on the Instagram, on the Facebook, all of all of the places with the in front of them, we're there. Uh, the spotify the pandora we're there so make sure you do that make sure you go over to clashingsabers.net and check out some of the analysis that i have of uh, season one of bad batch and i also if you are wanting to be like hmm how does bad batch possibly connect with mandalorian season two you can read my analysis of mandalorian season two there and see that there are some very similar themes that the two are presenting but while you're doing that and we're working on new episodes i would just like you to remember the most important lesson of star wars it's not hope it's not good versus evil it's at the end of the day the one thing that lasts is batch eight michelle say hi ho sorry hi ho there you go Still still pretty good. I'll give it to you. It was okay. I had my mic muted. <laughs> You're a professional. I need you to get this together. I'm really not at all. You know that. <laughs>
The podcast you just listened to and all other Clashing Sabers productions are the intellectual property of ClashingSabers.net. All sounds and materials used from other creators is their stuff, and we just use different information on educational purposes. Bottom line, we made it, it's ours, they made it, it's theirs. Seems simple, but if you're still confused, feel free to email us at ClashingSabersNetwork at gmail.com. We have no association with Lucasfilm, Disney, or any of the other fine companies that make all this stuff we talk about. But, Kathleen Kennedy, if you need anything, let me know. I work for cheap. Now let's blow this thing and get out of here.